Welcome to the most excellent 80s movies podcast on the most excellent podcast network. It's the podcast where a filmmaker, a comedian, and an author. Does that sound good? That sounds fine for me. Okay. Uh, get together to talk about the movies that we love and and somewhat questionably enjoy uh, from our favorite decade. I don't have anything funny written because we just watched the movie literally <sighs> yeah, moments we ago. We sure did. Let me try it again. I'll see what I can come up with. I am an improviser after all. It's the podcast where a filmmaker, a comedian, and an author get together to create the audio version of a visual store window. Which increases sales by 48% in, in 15 minutes. In every 15 <laughs> in minutes. In two days. <laughs> this is season one, episode eight, Mannequin. Our movie selection from 1987. Jonathan Switcher. On sex. Loves to talk to his work. You know, you're the first thing I've created that made me feel like an artist. Don't you like a new scarf? He never expected. Not especially. To hear him talk back. I really think I'm going crazy. I am so glad you're working here. I never thought they'd hire anyone stranger than me. You're the only one who can see me like this. To the rest of the world, he's a disaster. You're quiet. And she's a dummy. <laughs> you are one sick puppy. But together. Hey, don't do that. You went so shy when you were creating me. You weren't so real. They make magic. Oh, look at him with the dummy. Who are you to criticize? And that new stock boy. And I just want you to keep an eye on him for me. I think I'm going to handle things my own way. All the girl mannequins disappeared from the windows last night. Film at 11. Yes, my dear, your favorite. She is gone to get him! <laughs> Indeed. Nothing. We just watched that. To stop us now. <laughs> the three of us just came out of watching that. Yeah. Because it's imp- you can't stream it. No, it's a it's a it's a gem buried deep in the sand. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I couldn't find it. Couldn't find an it. An elusive Netflix. piece of film history. Couldn't rent yeah. it on uh, iTunes. Yeah. Nope. Couldn't buy it on Amazon. Had to get a Bought the two physical pack. DVD. Gross. We had to physically unearth a time capsule that <laughs> someone put a VHS copy of Mannequin in and then convert it to a DVD and then watch on DVD. Yeah. So we've got a guest this time. We do. Yes. We have to do the introductions of people. And Nathan hates it when I introduce him. So why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs> uh, so I'm Nathan Blackwell, a filmmaker. Um, I'm, I'm with Squishy Studios. I do comedy. And Chris, he's here too. <laughs> I'm a comedian. I'm the uh, an improviser and director at National Comedy Theater. Uh, and we do have a guest today. Very exciting. Very special. Craig Curtis so is we, here. We both have a history with this man. Yes. So Craig is one of my oldest friends. Um, we he's he's part of Squishy Studios. Mm-hmm. Craig is a writer, um, and he's also an author in his own right. Um, Craig, you want to talk about the books you write? Yeah. Um, I do. 
Oh, you mean now? <laughs> yes, um, I, I've uh, worked with Nathan at Squishy Studios, and I've known Christy, Christy for about as long, actually, as I've yeah. known Nathan, which is uh, several decades now. We don't need to get into we exact We all lived numbers. on the same street <laughs> at one point. Yeah, yeah. all three of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so here's the thing. Uh, so, so I didn't know Christy when I was a kid, but apparently we lived next – I moved into the house that sh- next door to where she used to live. She moved out – and then we moved in, and we never saw each other. Nope. It was like, yeah, it was like uh, the Fifth Element when uh, you know Bruce Willis and uh, Gary Oldman they never meet. They're the uh, opposing sides in the movie, and they just never actually meet. And you know, there's the one scene where uh, Gary Oldman's going in an elevator, and then Bruce Willis pops out of the other elevator, and that's cl- as close yeah. as they ever meet. And that's as close as yeah. Christy and Nathan, you know, uh, ever got a chance to know each other when I was a kid because I lived just down the street mm-hmm. and. That whole time, it was just the like, proverbial Mila Jovovich. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that was me. I've never seen The Fifth Element. <laughs> All right, well, just roll with it. Okay. Uh, be our excellent '90s podcast. It's yes. it's an exact parallel of this this particular okay, moment good, in podcast good. history. Good, good. So, um, Mannequin, nineteen eighty seven. Right? It, yeah, yeah. Nineteen eighty seven. Absolutely. Um so we don't have a summary for this. Um do you wanna try and sum it up for us in a few sentences? Uh the plot of the movie Mannequin? Yeah. Why sure. Um it is I don't have the actors' names, unfortunately, and I'll uh, throw a blank. Andrew McCarthy. Andrew's Andrew McCarthy is the star. Kim along Cattrall. with Kim Cattrall. Uh and some other people. Uh Estelle well, Getty's in it. Yes. Uh that's all. That's yeah. all. Meshack yeah. okay. Taylor. Okay. Andrew McCarthy is a James uh, Spader. A James Spader is in it. Andrew McCarthy is a uh an aspiring sculptor who can't hold on to a job and he goes through several jobs. Uh one of which is sculpting mannequins. And but what he can hold on to <laughs> is his mannequins. <laughs> yes. Uh <laughs> Uh, I, his problem is that he takes too much time doing stuff because he's an artist. He creates a mannequin and then later sees the mannequin in a store window display at a department store, mm-hmm. um, talks to it for a while, and then gets a job there and ends up uh, discovering that the mannequin comes to life, but only when he is alone with her. And, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention the mannequin is the spirit of some Egyptian lady who – Prayed to an Egyptian god. Really, kind of a stuff. middle class Egyptian. Yeah, yeah. It was sort of mummy. a you know uh, one of those standard white blonde Egyptians. Yes. Well, I did not know Kim Cattrall was an Egyptian uh, going an into ancient, this movie. Ancient, ancient Egyptian. Egyptian. It was yes. that. It, what, With, it was that rare ten year gap where the whites controlled Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> the, I think that was called the Middle Kingdom. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, the so yeah, she's an Egyptian uh, middle class princess uh, who has been floating in the ether for the last several thousand years, and I guess she comes to life for you know uh, she's Christopher, kind of, Christopher she, Columbus. I think she she, said, she was or, Christopher Columbus's muse. Yeah. Yes. So it's him. her fault out. that he murdered <laughs> all those people. <laughs> It's strange that they didn't go in that tangent for this movie. But no, so uh, she's decided to, I guess, possess this mannequin, uh, which vaguely looks like her. Um, and oh, I thought, is that what you thought was happening? Well, that's not no, what no. I thought was happening. 
oh, well, what's your interpretation? Because it, it is a little, it leaves it open to the viewer's imagination as to what the hell's going on. Well, okay, we'll have to get into that later because. All right, well, let me finish the yeah, uh, the recap here. Definitely do. Um, hijinks ensue, and um, the rival department store is furious that over the last three days of dressing this uh Department store window. The battle of the two department stores. Yeah, I think I in, just imagine that they're across the street from each other. <laughs> they were. I think they showed Are them. Are they literally across? It just yeah. feels like it. It just feels like you're in this. You're just on this one street in Philadelphia, according to the uh, the caption. In not New York. Uh, not New York. Certainly or not. Toronto. Or Toronto or <laughs> Vancouver. Uh, but it's uh, they have this department store rivalry, which you know is a very '80s thing, I suppose. Um, and over the, the course of a week, uh, they are making these uh, great window displays that draw huge crowds to the failing department store. Uh, and so the, the successful slash evil department store is getting jealous. <laughs> and so they eventually kidnap or steal the enchanted mannequin. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, you know, Andrew McCarthy has to go rescue his gal mm-hmm. and you know hijinks uh, uh, ensue as well and so many hijinks yes so many it is a a veritable smorgasbord of hijinks that should be the log line for this movie mannequin a veritable smorgasbord of hijinks that should be yeah on the on the front of the the blu-ray when mm-hmm. they finally get around to doing this on blu-ray so what is um I, we all have a different history with this film mm-hmm uh, mm-hmm. I, okay, so I've never seen, I walked into this movie cold. Like, I knew about it, but I had never, ever seen it. So. First time. First time. And then you? I watched this movie a bunch when I was a kid for some reason. I remember uh, really liking it. I'm well, certain. Well, we all have movies like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, we'll get to this, but I think it's terrific. It totally holds up 100%. So I have a theory about this movie, but Craig, Craig go ahead. And... I, I saw it once when I was a kid. So thir- um, like 30 years ago. Yeah, so like, you know, 1989, 1990, you know, uh, every Friday my dad would come home with videos to watch for the weekend. One weekend this was one of them. Mm-hmm. I watched it. I finished watching it. I noted that i watched it and then i <laughs> i forgot that it existed for 30 years until it was unearthed oh my gosh so okay so we we all have those movies when we're young like preteen that we watch like for me that'd be like masters of the universe with dolph lundgren it's like okay there's so much i love about this movie but i know deep down it is a terrible movie that is stupid and it is dumb and really, there's nothing really good about it. This is like the girl version. Mannequin is the girl version of no, Masters, Masters of the, of the Universe. Universe and those kind of movies. Mm-hmm. So, although I did, you know, I, I have to preface, I had a pretty great time watching it. Yeah, yeah, I, I stand by it. Would you call this? I I know that there's a common term called the guilty pleasure. Would you call yes. this a guilty this pleasure is, for you? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It, well, that's the thing. It's. When I say it's a, it, it is it's it's a dumb movie, but it's not a terrible movie. Yeah, no, it's not a good movie. I'm I'm not making the argument that right. It is like a if good there movie. were if there were like check marks of like good characterization. Yeah. Good plotting. Nope. Clear storytelling. Nope. Doesn't have any of good those things. storytelling. <laughs> 
<laughs> None of those things. Comprehensible storytelling. But it's got some it's got charisma. It does. It has it has a charm. It's got pluck. So this is here's yeah. what we're learning about me is that E.T. is an objectively wonderful movie and I cannot deal with it. This is an objectively terrible movie and I can't get enough. <laughs> So what does that say about you? I don't know, but it says it's something. something and now meaningful. everybody knows. So there's so many things we have to talk about. I we should we start with big stuff and then go chronological, yeah, big, or should we go picture. chronological? Let's just unpack this. A whole thing. Okay. It seemed to me like there. So why did we pick this movie? Because I think it's great. <laughs> It you know it it is a great pick because people have heard about it. It wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily it was not huge at the box office. No, not at all. No, no. But it is kind of it didn't really so... gain a cult following exactly because again it's not on DVD or at least it's not on the streaming services. So but it, if it had a cult following, you would think it would be a little more popular. No one's clamoring time, for more. Yeah, magic. but it's it's but not it like so eighties. I've never heard anyone badmouth this i've heard people badmouth the second one mannequin 2 on the move i've heard people badmouth that one but i've never heard anyone badmouth this movie it's not like an epically bad movie or an you know it a, a bomb box office bomb. i've never heard right. negative stuff talked about this movie it's just it's it is what it is yeah and it's it doesn't make a goddamn bit of sense either <laughs> i but i tell you when i uh, when I watched it the first time 30 years ago and I watched it again tonight, there was stuff at the very beginning. I didn't remember any of it. St- you open in ancient Egypt and like, <laughs> d- d- is the wrong movie in? Because I don't remember any of this. <laughs> and, and, and you think it's going to be a feminist piece because Kim Cattrall's character's whole point of view is to ask the gods for help because she doesn't want to get wanna marry married. The, Amer- the guy that her mom set her up with a, a, a camel poop. Uh, distributor Merchant. or something I don't remember. Camel dung, yeah. Uh, she wants to be free. She wants to be a woman who can make her own choices, and she wants to fly. And I guess the and gods spends are her like, entire life as a muse. It's yeah. like two competing ideas. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, but there's there's too many ideas, but also there's clearly not enough. So we're all three of us are <laughs> storytellers. <laughs> <laughs> like we're. I'm filling in the gaps of like, okay, so the gods like granted her wish or whatever, but she hints at but never says that she can't stay with him. Mm-hmm. Didn't I, it seem like there should have been a deleted scene like, where she's like, I can't stay with you? Uh, yeah, be- I can't because I keep going to these other people and I always have to move on. Like Mary Poppins. Right. Like once yeah. she has like, helped she him. Falls in once I've fixed you as an artist, yeah. I have to wait 100 years and fix the next guy. Yeah. An artist. Or, yeah, yeah, the, the Mary Poppins syndrome. I'm, so I'm was it that she originally had, like, all these dreams to do something great, and then she mm-hmm. just kind of settled and decided to start fixing men? And then... Oh, no. <laughs> and you gave know, up the idea of love. I have an intriguing theory, which I don't know if I should share now or later on, because it reminds me a lot of a modern movie uh, that I, th- I kept thinking throughout, this is kind of... That movie is a remake of this one. And yeah. I don't know if it's... Well, this is... Pygmalion, right? It's yeah. It's based off of the um, the fable, Pygmalion fable about the the. I guess I think it's a Greek 
uh, sculptor who makes a statue of a woman, falls in love with the statue, mm-hmm. and basically goes to Aphrodite and says, hey, can can I please have a wife who is like this statue who I love? And so he makes his he pays tribute to Aphrodite at the temple, and then he goes home and he kisses the statue, and the statue comes to life, and boom, he he basically it's about uh, how much kissing a man, did he have to do? A man creating his ideal mate, like literally creating her, and that's basically but what just is. the outsides of her. Like I know, I mean, cares. It's, it's, I, I think this movie it has nothing to do with her intelligence or personality. It's just I'm going to make a really hot statue, yeah. and <laughs> right, give her whatever personality you want, but make as really long as it looks statue. like. Uh, as as Egyptian as Kim Cattrall can be, <laughs> yeah, and uh, that will be fine with me. And you know, maybe don't make her a nag. And so that's you know, it's they weren't particularly enlightened as we like to think in in ancient Greece. But then again, it keeps switching over, and you know, the Pygmalion fantasy is continues to this day, and it just kind of evolves a little bit. But it's you know. Uh, you look for your ideal mate and you're looking at the outside mm-hmm. of your ideal mate yeah. and that's what you're looking for and you know that's so, th- this mov- what did it remind you of what did th- what modern movie did it remind you yeah uh ex machina oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's about the you know the constructed automaton who has sentience uh and she basically seduces a guy and uh convinces him to help her free her from her glass cage and uh, so that she can join the real world. And, you know. No you... spoilers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. But if you saw Mannequin, then you probably saw Ex Machina. Yeah. Because they, they go hand in hand. They have I mean, the you same. Could, you could, you could Ex Machina the... and Mannequin do have the same ending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a freeze frame? Yeah. In yeah. the marriage, yeah. Where, where they're kind of the half wedding. blinking in the wedding ceremony. Yeah. 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 And, you know, the, the, the famous song, which. Works for Ex Machina, too. Nothing's gonna stop us now. So this movie feels like there's a lot of deleted scenes, mm-hmm. or there was, like, multiple writers, like, coming in, oh, let's give her more empowerment. She wants to do this, this, and that. And then they didn't work on the entire script, so there's all these other aspects of, like, Pygmalion and the muse. I am here for you. You've created the perfect version and like they, it's like oh, it doesn't look so great for women. They went through and kind of gave her a like the dream of flying. And once she flew on the hang glider, she was okay. She also she flew on the hang glider indoors inside a shopping mall, where I think with hang gliders you kind of need some wind under you to yeah, actually glide. That's how those but, work. You know, because she was like circling the place for a couple of minutes, and then she kind of swooped down and. I you know I thought he killed she killed the security guard guy but no he he just he hit she hit him so hard that he fell asleep and <laughs> and his dog flew into a tree um what happened to his dog what happened to his dog dog disappears halfway through it's He's like probably at home so the yeah. dog whose name is Rambo who gets replaced by a dog named Terminator uh yeah there we didn't talk at all we <sighs> Well, it's because we haven't gotten We're in just order. Sliding but... down the yeah. the yeah. slope of okay. So starting with the very beginning, James Spader is in this movie. James Spader, who is like acting the fuck out of this movie, he's just like he's in it all the way. He is so committed to this slime ball character. You know what? I, if you looked at James Spader's career, it would be like a reverse bell curve of creeps. Like, <laughs> <laughs> definitely started in the creeps. There was one point he definitely got respectable, probably mm-hmm. around Stargate, and then it started going right back towards creeps. Yeah, I just saw him last night in Lincoln. He was great. 
And but I, total creep. Yeah, he, he he knows how to play that. And, you know, he's even, you know, Lincoln's a period piece, but it's a modern creep. And this <laughs> uh, this version of James Peter is a very 80s creep. You've got to so have... So 80s. It, it, I mean, that's the reason Mannequin works in this particular podcast, because this is an extremely 80s movie. It really is. Every Every ounce of it is very 80s. The characters are 80s. The plot is 80s. The little subplots, you know, you even have the, you know, sassy gay sidekick character, uh, which wouldn't work today. I, I, I know you like the, the does, it, does it hold up? I, there are several elements of this. <laughs> a lot of sexual harassment in the workplace so that just much. kind of goes by the board. And like. So just left, right, front, center, sideways. The, this, there's yeah, one character that's, that's who's getting big, sexually harassed. The, 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 and she's like the nonstop. main villain. You know, the men get sexually her, harassed in this movie. <laughs> If that's the if if in terms of like recommending this movie, that's mm-hmm. the asterisk we got to put on in terms of like showing it to your little your your preteen girl. Trigger warning. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's maybe about nine sexual harassment scenes. Well, it's a teachable moment because you can say, "Can you believe that someone would behave like that?" Thank God we know better right. now. But the problem is you're going to get tired of saying that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's going to be a running comedy. But, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting from, like, okay, so our first episode was Airplane, mm-hmm. where you had um, the very flamboyant gay man in the, the air traffic control tower, and then kind of seeing, like, over the 80s where that kind of character you know that character style of what like pop popular culture saw as like the exciting flamboyant gay friend where they kind of end up here at 87 yeah in the know? in the 80s you know i feel like a gay guy needed to be approachable by making him flamboyant and harmless well, that was that was how you made uh you know he was allowed to be a he was allowed to be himself even though mm-hmm. he was definitely kind of like you know boxed stereotyped you know? Oh yeah! Oh, huge stereotype. But he also is like he was flamboyant. But we were supposed to like his flamboyancy. It was he was a cuddly flamboyant. And he I wasn't, did. Yeah. He wasn't like um, overtly sexual. He wasn't Fire Island gay. He was, uh, you know, he was fashion designer gay. I think his his like raunchiest pun had to do with getting wood right yeah well right. the wood the wood uh, double entendre made appearance once or twice in this movie okay. as you can imagine it, it appeared it appeared at least a couple times in the trailer you just played mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so yeah they they made good use of uh of metaphor but so hollywood the flamboyant character immediately accepts that andrew mccarthy has a relationship with this mannequin like, because he's an artist absolutely he's just like yeah you're into mannequins it's totally cool i support you 100 percent. like no judgment no judgment and the people in at work in the store seem to be fine with it too yeah like, and it's a weird because there's because a they're making with the money villains. yeah the, it's like the hollywood vill- yeah. the villains took a couple of snapshots of him 
with like lying on his back with a mannequin on top of him. Compromising photos. And, yeah, so the bad like, guys took surveillance They weren't photos just compromised. They said, we have like these photos of you t- doing illegal acts. He's lying there with a mannequin on top of him. That's not illegal. Right. There's, and there's no nudity. Everyone at his workplace no knows insertion. about this. They, yeah. he, they like, like let him into the women's room with the mannequin, knowing, <laughs> oh, making assumptions go on as in. to what... Yeah, go on in and take as much time as you need to... Deal with your muse, and it's pretty clear that they have an understanding about what he's doing in there whenever. And they do montage, and he goes into a storeroom with her. Mm-hmm. He carries a mannequin into a storeroom, and they're like, For like a new like holding the door open. Yeah, and then, you know, <laughs> applaud him. And then, oh boy, yeah, good luck in there. Give they it to good old boy. Okay, and- so they do applaud. He wakes up at one point naked on a pile of what I have to assume are fur coats, which they can't sell those now. <laughs> 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 Not with that extensive cleaning. No. He, he, she was there with him, uh, but she had to go get into the window. That's the night she gets kidnapped. So he wakes up in the morning. Okay. He wakes up, up in the middle we, of the sales. So floor. what we haven't Before said is that he is falls Kim... asleep while he's talking. Uh, what yeah. kind of monster falls asleep? That's why they call it pillow talk. While they're talking. But he wakes up on the pile of fur coats and everyone from the store is standing around looking at him. And they applaud when he wakes up. Why? Yeah, like a gentle, <laughs> right. like golf clap applause. Like, yeah. oh, very good, very good. Very yes, good. yes. I well, agree. Well. Yes, yes, indeed. Cheers. Five stars. Yes. Well, so, well played. One thing we didn't mention is that only he can see Kim Cattrall. When yes. anyone else yes. looks on her, she's she only, turns into... She's only alive when they, the two of them are alone. Yeah, if anyone comes in on them, she reverts into a mannequin. No matter what position she's in. But they also don't explain that. Like, they leave... She mentioned at one point, didn't I tell you? Yeah, only and, you can see me. But why? I need to know how this magic works. That is the hard and fast rule until it stops applying at the very end for right. no particular when he learns reason. reason. Because of true love. True he love is he saving someone love from a wood chipper. In the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, th- you have to actually say Spoiler alert. She, at the very end, um, uh, the jilted girlfriend throws all the mannequins into the wood chipper. Um, and she was the main villain, too. Yeah. The jilted girlfriend weird. was the main villain, and her boss, all he really wants to do is blackmail the guy into coming to work for him instead, which is kind of a dick move. But at the same time, uh, he. He was also trying to buy the. Buy out the department store. But uh, it's not oh, like from he under. Was, she was the one who wants to murder his his crazy, you know, wooden girlfriend. Uh, and so it, and they've been broken up for most of the movie. And I'm not which, entirely which sure. Which was two him. days. They yes. had been broken up for oh, yes. two so days. So that's the other amazing thing about this movie is that. The condensed timeline. He'll go through like eight jobs mm-hmm. and he'll have a dinner meeting and then he'll he'll go to the department store and something will happen and he wakes up. And all the the last 30 minutes was just one day. Yep. And they referred to, oh, yeah, on Monday we did. Uh, He only makes four shop windows. We're in the Ferris Bueller time vortex. Yeah. So much They do lots of costume changes, as you might imagine, too. I I literally think the entire movie takes place over, like, five days. I think so. Yeah. It's a a Monday to Friday. And what you get is not only him going through, like, ten jobs and Mm -hmm. losing a girlfriend Getting this new job, that job going from like we're gonna have to lay off everyone off. We're only worth ten percent of what we originally were. We're a hundred years old. To them going to like two hundred percent sales 
and the company across the street. It was going a four hundred percent increase. It was yeah. an exact increase and of it was crime a, in. Uh, it was a headline in the newspaper in uh-huh. the in the Philadelphia. And then newspaper. the competitor, two different, two different headlines. They had a headline about him With designing a, the window and a huge picture of him on there too. Like like this is what you want to see. This is going to get you to read Who's this article. Who's reading this newspaper? This newspaper is just Visual Merchandisers Weekly. Which, by the way, I have been a visual merchandiser. Nobody gives a shit about visual merchandisers. Like <laughs> that is not a daily publication. No. It's a weekly publication. But she says to him at one point, I'm going to promote you to visual merchandiser. And then the next day, he's vice president. <laughs> and it's treated president. like a big... Uh-huh. Pr- and then she, that's, and the thing- that's another 80s concept is uh, success means climbing up the corporate ladder. Being you know, yeah. vice president. Yeah. It's not It's not good enough that he's fallen in love and found a place where he belongs and is starting to make friends and stuff. No, we have to make sure he becomes vice president of something. He's vice because president of Because it's like an award. It's fucking. like an arbitrary award. It's, it's, like... it's what accomplishment meant in the 80s was being financially successful and being climbing up the corporate ladder. That was what – and you saw it like in Back to the Future too. Marty wasn't happy with his normal life, and then when he finally comes back at the end of Back to the Future – uh, how is it displayed that he he still has the same girlfriend he has? It wasn't like true love was the thing he was looking for. No, no, his all his all his brothers and sisters they all have successful jobs. His father's a successful author, yeah, and then he's got a and they're yuppies, and he's got this kick ass truck in the garage. That's what the turnaround. This is your reward, financial security for yeah. you and your family. They're so lucky they still such kept 80s, the same house. Yeah, yeah, the exact same house <laughs> with a hugely different uh, financial bracket. It's yeah, that it's such an eighties thing though. And and the thing that, that turned profits four hundred percent were at that point just three window displays. Yes. Yeah. Th- this is this is Monday to Wednesday so far <laughs> in this particular movie. <laughs> it's it it happened extremely fast. It's, and it's bananas. The stakes of the uh particular the, the stakes of this movie are interesting in that it's uh basically about the you know the rivalry between two department stores and their sales battle over the course of this week, um, and like, oh, we won this week, so next week there'll be a whole new adventure, and then some other kid will it's come exhausting. along with a different mannequin. It's, and, it's and, and too much. So, so the stakes are just basically two different department stores. One might buy the other one out, and that's the extent of the overall stakes. The character stakes are this guy finding true love and in the mannequin he created, and uh, making sure that. He can be, get a successful job as I'm, I'm a vice president of mannequin posing, and he's a, he's the vice president of mannequin relations. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. That's, that that's very much his uh, his brief. And uh, I, I would love to see like a cut scene of of like Kim Cattrall like she's alive now she's a human she walks in on him like with a mannequin uh, with a different uh, mannequin well, what is oh that? i thought this was you it's uh, not what it looks like honey i, <laughs> I thought this was you i thought you were sleeping <laughs> that, you, you've changed since you had to eat sleep and poop i'm pretty sure that mannequin too though did not have anything to do with any of these characters is that no correct? no no it was it was just like we're taking the same concept and putting a whole bunch of different characters in it that's exactly right yes. it's a it's a necklace a cursed necklace it's that mannequin two t-o-o Ah, so I'm that a there's mannequin no con- also. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, in this particular... No, what happens is Kim Cattrall bites another woman and she turns <laughs> into a mannequin. <laughs> this could really, with the Egyptian opening um, section about, you know, you're basically being cursed or blessed or given superpowers and you're going to float through the itch. This is like, 
you know, something out of a Marvel movie. Yeah. She has superpowers mm -hmm. uh, and she has a curse and the limitation. This is like an X-Men. This is X-Men apocalypse right here. Okay. But here's a question that I have where I really need to nail down how this magic works. So, so you were saying that she has chosen to flood her consciousness into this mannequin. Um, so then couldn't she also just boop right out of it when it's going into a wood chipper and like hop into something else? Is it like... I assume like whatever the, the, the here's the question and this is probably in the you know 6 hours of the lead scenes like Nathan said they cut this thing down because it was like Lord of the Rings length but um you know when I she don't was think there were any deleted when she scenes. was musing I think we just saw deleted <laughs> scenes of the movie <laughs> when she was musing Christopher Columbus and Michelangelo and and Aristotle and all these people throughout the ages um presumably she was doing it through some sort of um homunculus oh my God. construct what happened to those? That's those... what they explain in the opening cartoon. Yes, in that 70s cartoons that was in the opening credits. That's why she's the Mona Lisa. There you go. So, okay, so is... If I she was, was the Mona Lisa... They explained everything, and I was just too... In a very well, no, no. quick Here's cartoon the thing, though. opening. Why isn't she still the Mona Lisa, then? That's what I'm saying. She so, transfers her soul Why yeah. should from she, construct then, to construct. Because as the muse, danger. they've now learned, they've gone over whatever hurdle they had to go over. And I, in thinking that, like you could see like Kim Cattrall was ready to leave him. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. no, no, I want you to take on this window display all on your own. You don't need me. Like she was I've starting already to been yeah, here she was, like, three she was whole to separate days. Him. Right. Yeah. I gots to get going. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've got to throw, float through the ether for another couple centuries until another guy like you but when on. she finds true love she's like hanging from the wood chipper he's holding on to her and she's going to fall into the wood chipper and suddenly she turns real why did she not gain like so much more wouldn't i would have given so much if like when he was holding her over the wood chipper she was a, a mannequin and then and suddenly, suddenly she the became re becomes alive and yeah. grasps onto him and suddenly she, she goes from 10 pounds to 150 pounds, yeah. and he just drops her right in. Because <laughs> oh, of the shit. weight difference. Turn yeah. back, turn back. Although, yeah, Kim Cattrall, Kim Cattrall weighs 90 pounds soaking wet. But, yeah, no, I Can we I just say Kim Cattrall is a fox in this movie? Okay, here's something I was uncomfortable with, I second with, that though. notion. Oh, I totally agree with you guys. She, she And also, she hasn't fucking aged a day in the 30 because, years. Because, well, didn't she? her character say that also? Like, Oh, I've been around for thousands of years. Like I don't age. Are you so saying Kim Cattrall really story. is a living, you know, embodiment of an Egyptian girl was, who is yes, who actually became free? She probably it is like Ex Machina. She like you know because basically I, I was expecting spoiler for her, alert. Like, well, there's one spoiler problem. alert. You know, at the end of the movie, Kim Cattrall comes alive and dumps whoever the guy was who rescued her and liberated her from her prison and now she's out on her own and mm -hmm. you know the other guy can you know wait. then, then <laughs> she moves to new york she meets carrie and miranda mm -hmm. and yeah. like that's right and well yeah i expected it's like there's one problem with us being together i don't age it's like it seems I'll, okay for I'm me <laughs> i think that's that. gonna yeah I'm okay. so you're always gonna stay 28 and foxy Oh, no. Is the problem? Um, so there's one point in the very beginning when he's first building her where she is her the mannequin version of her is naked. Right. Yeah. And the boobs are Nipply. just out. Why is that allowed? I remember. That's probably the only thing I remember when I watched this as a teenager. 
as that a young ting- man. That tingly sensation about the, the, the mannequin, and um, that's probably the only reason I remember I saw it at all. Because <laughs> there were um, but mannequin yeah. boobs. Yeah, it, that was and it wasn't way- like Barbie doll boobs. They that were- was, that's the only way that they – they could be risque and kind of ride that line. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I didn't like it though. Cause if we're supposed to like be, you know, imbuing her with the spirit and soul of, of yeah. the character that we like, like put yeah. her mannequin boobs away too. Especially since this is kind of a movie. It's a weird one. It's like, it's kind of a movie for girls, but yet it's what I will. Well, no, it's what, a what romantic is, comedy is what it is. Yeah. It's so like romantic it, comedy, like and those are predominantly made for the female. Viewer. It, I bet you anything. If we, if there was a poll and said like, who loves mannequin? It's going to skew hard. <laughs> it's all going to be women. 37 year old women like me. A hundred percent. Oh God. Yeah. Who, for girls who saw it when they were mm-hmm. too young to know some things were not so cool. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll stand it's by because, that. It's like, because the classic reason is, so our guilty pleasure movies, a planet blows up at the end, or or the bad guy gets thrown into lava. Guy in, with chainsaw hands. Yeah. In this, I'm into, every, I like those too. In this, everyone gets married. Okay, but I also like lava. If she fell into lava in this, I, I would or, be or into chipper. it. Or wood chipper. Wood chipper, that would have been the boy's <laughs> ending. You guys. <laughs> not because we it's want her a, to die, it's but not because... a boy thing or a girl thing is what I'm saying. Like you're gendering the Oh, you women are so of... cute. Oh my god, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> this is the end of the I'm... podcast where I stab you. <laughs> like... Just okay. like Ex Machina. Yeah. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> it all seriously, people, watch these two movies back to back and it's this, just gonna that, it'll blow your mind. It's like so peanut we... butter and steak. This is going to be your so this is your deep cut recommendation. Yeah, I that, that's probably totally my deep cut that's recommendation. It. Um, it, here's the thing that that apparently everybody in the '80s was just really mean to people, like to their face. Would just like if you were a yuppie, like James Spader type, you could say to somebody like, yeah, really rude things, and they just wouldn't react. It's it's yeah, it's the, the, uh, the power the dynamic. Talk, yeah, the, yeah, it's it's a power trip sort of thing, and it's like you have to kind of assert your your authority or your superiority. The boss to the employee. Yeah, by puffing your chest out. And you get that at the end, too, when Estelle Getty is the one. You know, there's a bunch of cops, and then all of the characters are in the room. And whoever sounds like they're in charge, that's who the cops obey. Yeah. <laughs> Arrest these people. No, 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 no. <laughs> I have a videotape. Arrest these people. And like... <laughs> the cops nodding. And no actual away. evidence. No. No actual crimes but, have been committed. But she's holding a video. No. Yeah, yeah. No actual crimes have been committed, but the cops have been chasing. They've been knocking over stuff through this department store. Okay, so here's a question. And this, again, I need to know how the magic works. So Estelle Getty has watched a videotape where she sees them kidnap uh, Kim Control the mannequin. And Andrew McCarthy sort of surreptitiously. Uh, asks, how much like, of that video um, did you see? So, did she see the mannequin alive, or did that, and transform? And uh, is there this whole separate story of yeah. like a how does, Getty how does just the magic watching every minute involve of their videotape crazy it's, adventures? If, if no one is physically present, but there's a video cam, this is something. This is the problems they didn't have back in ancient Egypt. So, I'm so, sure oh, this oh, is oh, like I just realized. You know what she is? She's a weeping angel. Who is Estelle Getty? No, the mannequin. (laughs) (laughs) It could be either. It's not going to work. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No, doesn't doesn't make any sense. 
because she should be frozen if there's a camera that can always frozen which mm-hmm. means he really was all this time humping a mannequin mm-hmm. uh under the on covers. a pile of fur coats he steals so much merchandise from that store they have a montage where they have like 14 costume changes uh-huh. and they're playing and like throughout night yeah they're playing throughout it they're dancing the whole time you know, for 10 hours, I was thinking, man, they're burning so many calories. They really are. <laughs> that is, yeah, they they have very busy nights. Uh, there's one scene where he's sleeping during the day, and I guess that's what he's been, he's basically Batmaning it to where he's asleep at all, the entire day, and then gets up at night and yeah. does, you know, yeah, you're right. They're going through the entire department store, doing 16 costume changes, and doing like these, these one-act plays with each other in mm-hmm. costume, yeah. and they do like you know, and a it, dozen of those every night until they figure out what they want to do to the display. Then they put up the display, and then I guess he goes home. And Estelle Getty is watching crashes. all of it. She is just watching <laughs> with a with a bottle of sherry. And oh uh, my god, Estelle Getty is all, always. She's watching. so excited about what the next evening is going to well, bring. Well, you know, <laughs> if he is a visual merchandiser, then he's got other responsibilities. He needs to make sure the signage is correct. He needs to make sure that those four ways are signed. He needs to colorize the rounders. Like he's got a lot of other stuff to do in a store. This one department store is the size it's of a, a mall. It's like it looks like you know Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas. It's just like this big, it's three tiered terraced. Uh, 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 yeah, it's, and the other store is just as big. Yeah, exactly. It looks like they just redressed the the store over with like more neon, but <laughs> with it's Fredericks of Hollywood yeah. uh, decoration. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I suppose that's what Philadelphia department stores must look like because it's not. Guys, what, you didn't know Philadelphia I, in nineteen eighty seven. It's not what I remember J C Penney and Dillard's being like. Uh, <laughs> No. Where I lived. Nope. Uh, okay, so two other things that I, I just have to point out. At one point, he's there. He's outside, and it starts raining, and the people of Philadelphia <laughs> scream. Run and scream. They scream. <laughs> Which I, I understand in Phoenix. Yeah, in Phoenix, like, what the hell? What is this moisture falling from <sighs> the sky? Uh, so that was amazing. God is angry. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, that, that did strike me as weird, too. And... It was movie rain. It was like it was fine at one moment, and then suddenly, whoosh, downpour uh-huh. of rain. I assume that happens in places where it rains, uh, because it does in the movies. But yeah, you're right. The the people in the background are like, ah, rain, as if they've just been set on fire. Like Godzilla <laughs> spitting on them, which I guess. happened um. in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> we, oh yeah, yeah. We made it a boy thing. movie for you. Godzilla shows up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and but then also they so the ex-girlfriend works with an Italian guy who is the... I don't know if he's Italian. He's just vaguely ethnic. I think he's supposed to be Italian. He's supposed to be like one of those wild and crazy guys. Ethnic lover. Or at least pretending to be. Oh, no, my language. It is inelegant. I do not know English, which is why I grope you all the time. Yeah, he's he's really That's sexually harassing That's pretty much exactly her. that accent. Yeah. Yeah. It was pre- yeah, it was pretty spot on, I think. Yeah, you could get a job in 1987. I could, I could totally be a sexually harassing ethnic guy in 1987. Sexually harassing? We have a role. Uh, we need a sexually harassing ethnic guy who's still white. Yeah, who's still white because we don't actually want to hire ethnics. And no. This, this isn't the 90s yet. No. Um, uh, but his performance also is like him and James Spader were having a contest to see one who could, a who could contest. They're watching each other. More. All right, I got this. Like, hold my beer. <laughs> you have to imagine, Nathan, like, what is the director saying to them? Like, no, 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 that was good. But like, 
I need more. Bigger. Mm. More. Bring it up. Come on. Yeah. Bigger. Bigger. Really play with it. <laughs> Just have fun with it. Yeah. Like the three of you. Or, or you could go the other way. Doing so we don't much. know exactly what the other takes were like. Maybe it was like, James Spinner, for God's sakes, bring it down. Dial it down. <laughs> dial it down. This is dial seven. Dial it down. <laughs> for God's sakes, dial it down. <laughs> we don't know. We didn't see any of the... Uh, the, the outtakes or anything, but maybe maybe they just were going way too far and they got him down to this like level. Like Nicolas Cage. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one we'll use. Oh, that or there is no director of this movie. <laughs> right. yeah. He was probably doing so much coke. <laughs> um, uh, and then also like James Spader. This is the first movie that directed itself. <laughs> <laughs> An AI directed this. Right. A mannequin directed it. I'm directed by um, James Spader and Andrew McCarthy are in Pretty in Pink together. And they're in less than zero together, right? That sounds right. Let's just say it's right. So you have Wikipedia in front of you, don't you? I trust that. It's so much more fun to not look it up. To guess? Just like the 80s, Craig. <laughs> just like the 80s. Well, yeah, we didn't have Wikipedia. We had Encyclopedia Britannica, which wouldn't have that information. Is that the name of the first one? Okay, so less than zero was also in 1987. So the same year that they did this... The same year that James Spader and Andrew McCarthy were in Mannequin, mm-hmm. they were also in Less Than Zero. I wonder if they had the same casting director. Maybe they were shooting them simultaneously. And they're like, oh, God, that movie is so heavy, and we're all acting so beautifully, and, and isn't Robert Downey Jr. just amazing? Oh, let's go to our other job and just really... It'd be great Damn. if they... During, I, Robert Downey uh, Jr. sure has a lot of energy. At night, they shot Mannequin, and during the day... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, so and Pretty in Pink was 1986. So so that was like a few months before that. Mm-hmm. That was that was John Hughes. Yep. Who should have done this movie? I think this is this would have been a good John Hughes movie. Mm-hmm. So those are just uh, all fun things to think about. Um, so the other questions that we ask is uh, uh, how would you, do you could you see this getting a modern remake? If it did... Ex Machina. Ex Machina. Okay, so it's solved. solved. They even have an inex- inexplicable dance scene. They do. They you do. You are 100% right about I that. I am. I, I tell you, folks, watch them back to back. You are right. Mannequin was remade, starring yes. Oscar Isaacs and yeah, so, Donald... So, what's his name? Gleason? Donald Gleason? Yeah. Because yeah. he's... Yeah, 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 yeah. And the... And the okay. Poe and Hux. Yeah. So... Solved that. And the girl. That's who I, done. I'm pretty sure is uh, King Control. On a scale of one, what what should the scale be? One, one, on a scale of one sexually harassing ethnic to ten sexually harassing. <laughs> <laughs> How many ethnics was this? <laughs> or on a scale of one. How many pink Cadillacs? Oh my God! I we didn't talk enough about Hollywood. Because yeah. I am so in love with that character, I want to be f- best friends with that character. Hollywood wanna... was the Morgan Freeman of this this movie. <laughs> what? what does that he, mean? Is, he is the one who brings it all together. He, he just does. he is the heart and soul of the movie. He is because he is like the most supportive, totally kind-hearted. Yeah, he's a misfit, and you know, and the other, you know, all our good guys are misfits. So it's like he's the one who welcomes them into the world and makes them feel like you know. Department store number one is his home, and department number store two is evil mm-hmm. because Hollywood's in department store number yeah. one. And yeah. Hollywood- Estelle Gelly, that doesn't have anything to do with it. She just kind of comes in. She did like a two days' worth of work, and then yeah. she's she'll, pop, she'll pop in and keep the, the, the story from going off the rails every yeah. now and then. 
Uh, but other than that, it's you know it's Hollywood that's that's you know bringing the bringing the story to life. He's he's the Morgan Freeman of this movie, and he he as a character just knows who he is so completely, and just like is so comfortable just being who he is and who who letting himself be himself it's like like rupaul says you know if you can't love yourself you can't love anybody else hollywood loves himself and we should all be so lucky yes we should all have a friend like hollywood yes who can (laughs) who can make us feel like it's okay to be yourself so on a scale of one pink cadillac to 10 pink cadillacs where do you rent rank mannequin what, what am i ranking this on in terms of its <laughs> how it holds up how it what did you like about it okay well i i enjoyed its i i would say this is a very plucky movie um <laughs> plucky plucky i heard you <laughs> okay you 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 had a, a laugh that suggested some ribald uh analogy just, just go on i'm filibustering at this point um yeah in terms of how relevant it is today it's kind of reverse relevant especially with all the sexually harassment going on and also because i think there is in a deeper sense the idea of physically creating your one true love and basically going you know on looks and just assuming that you know she'll be hot on the inside too um is not turned out to be true the yeah well (laughs) unless someone was watching yeah no turns out she's uh she's there's something just terrible about her like yeah. she's she's you know a, a nazi oh, God. Uh, because <laughs> she was she was amused to hitler too and she didn't mention that because you that's know, the b story i mean she was best friends with christopher that's Columbus. the that's, one deleted scene and i understand why they took that well, out no 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 that's the stuff she's going to explain to him in week two of their relationship yeah. After they, they were married. married oh guess what <laughs> uh she really didn't have much of a personality other than just being like excited about everything and kind of encouraging him to do stuff. Yeah, she was a supportive girlfriend who really had no ambitions of her own except for flying. And that's that's kind of the Pygmalion message where, you know, if uh, it was basically a man sculpting his wife and not giving her a will of her own. See, and that's that goes back to Pygmalion. That's not necessarily this movie's sin, it's just transferring it. So in terms of its ability to have a positive message. It has positive messages, but at the same time, some of this stuff does not age well 30 years <laughs> later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so 10 pink Cadillacs. Whatever a pink Cadillac symbolizes. So 10 being like, it, it's held up, it's perfect. Like Back to the Future. Oh, okay. So, yeah, Back to the Future, E.T. 5.7 pink Cadillacs. Okay, 5.7. Oh, mm. mm. You have an, a rebuttal. <laughs> what do you think, Nathan? I'm gonna have to go with five as well. Five. I was gonna do six. Now, so this is not. Did, were you not watching the same movie I was just watching? <clears throat> so this is not based on my enjoyment of the film. I enjoyed it, but in terms of it holding up, like Hollywood, we love this movie for what it is. This, but there's we, a lot of se- we love it so that if we you had ex- to pick certain scenes that didn't age well, mm-hmm. and then added up the quantity of those scenes uh-huh. or moments. Hence the final result. It's an aggregate score. <sighs> Fine. Well, what's your score? I would give it based on watchability, and I'm going to say based on enjoyment, that this is the kind of movie that you go back and you watch for the nostalgia, for to see those 
goddamn amazing 80s clothes to see <laughs> to see the the bitchy oh, woman's the movie apartment. is fully enjoyable though yeah I sure. oh yeah yeah this this was not a bad movie i've yeah, seen this terrible is, we, 80s movies we decided this, is not, this is not it's so bad it's good which the sequel probably is this is full-on a guilty pleasure yes that's the so for yes. that reason i'll give it like a right. seven and a half right like i would I don't, like just if like i, were going I was to call comparing this a beverage it would be a uh a blue cherry icy so this is like like matt like i i totally there you go this is gonna keep going on metaphor <laughs> so like for masters of the universe like which i compared it to mm-hmm. it yeah oh yeah it doesn't hold up at all mm-hmm. and i would give it a equal score like i'd give okay. masters of the universe like a a five like even lower. Okay. I gave it a five though. Five point three. I think though that if you like we just did got together with some friends and we're like, oh my god, you're not gonna believe this movie. Yeah, that this is that kind of, that's the thing. It's like we probably enjoyed this way more, the three of us all sharing the experience and kind of looking at each other mm-hmm. yeah. at certain moments and like, oh my god, did it's like <laughs> you know, Going, did he just say pussy pants? <laughs> Wussy pants. Because, Wussy pants. Well, that's the other thing. You you sometimes they mumbled their lines and it was sounded oh, dirtier than it should have it sounded. It sure did. Uh, what is your deep cut recommendation? So I'm going to go with another movie. So one movie that I haven't seen in, in 20 years, but it just feels kind of like it scratches the same itch. Maybe for a slightly older woman, which is um, Earth Girls Are Easy. Have you seen that with Jeff Goldblum and and Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey? And is that was it? Um, I have never seen that. Damon Wayans. I think so. Yeah, I, I'm aware of its existence, but I have it's never com- seen it. It's kind of like if you took this movie, and, and again, I, I probably haven't seen it since it first came out on VHS, but it kind of feels like that, like this, and you almost kind of threw in a little like Buckaroo Banzai DNA into it. Mm-hmm. Kind of feels a little like that. Okay. Accepted. Uh, I'm going to recommend a podcast, um, and it it isn't because I'm just I'm going to recommend a podcast. Uh, It's called Our Movies Ourselves. It's a a a married couple who uh, are sort of each every other episode, one of them picks a movie, they watch it together, they discuss it from the point of view of because they're both comedians and. one of them is also a, uh, a licensed therapist. So they talk about um, the movies themselves and what they like about them. Uh, and then they sort of talk about what it means, what it tells them about each other as people that if they liked it or didn't like it, mm-hmm. like, you know, liking this movie mm-hmm. says about me. Sounds mm-hmm. interesting. I have, you know, yeah. these are the things I appreciate and these are the things that light up my life. That means I am this way. And then they talk about how what it means for their relationship, their relationship to the movie. Mm-hmm. Is that, am I making sense yeah. a little bit? So it's uh-huh. like... What I, connection are you making with the movie? Yeah. And what does it say about us that, that we both like this movie or that I like this movie and you don't like this movie... What does that mean? Don't about? look at me. I, didn't, I, I, I gave it a higher rating. Than he did. I said five point seven. <laughs> Wait, it was five point five. 5. <laughs> uh, their very first episode, they talk about Groundhog Day, and I think it's great. You should listen to it. It's called uh, "Our Movies Ourselves," a, a movies and relationship podcast. Uh, it's really good. I think everybody should listen to it, and then we'll do a crossover episode with them someday when I learn how technology works. <laughs> awesome. Sound Excellent. good. 
All right. Uh, closing thoughts. What did we not? So guilty oh. pleasure. Yes. Okay. There was one moment that I just I wanted to bring up too before we before we are done. Uh, the first time somebody walks in on Andrew McCarthy with the mannequin. Also, I have no idea what his character's name was. No. No clue. Um. Uh. The first time somebody walks in <laughs> on him with the mannequin, he says, "I was rehearsing a play." Which should be everyone's excuse for everything yes. all the time. Everything, every the universal excuse is I was rehearsing for a play. I, I was rehearsing a play. But is it ever actually true? No. <laughs> no one. You you never rehearse for an, a play. There are very specific places and times where you do rehearse for plays. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I had to throw that in there. Well, That's great. We'll go back to what you were saying. Oh, also in this uh, Life movies of the uh, 1980s. A look back at the decade's best films. She's holding it up, um, by the way. All of the movies we've done so far are in there. Not Mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> Not Mannequin. Thank you and good night. <laughs> okay. Be sure to join us next time on a most excellent 80s movies podcast when we were watching Young Guns from 1988. <laughs> so excited uh you can find us online at mostexcellentpod.com uh our facebook group is the most excellent facebook group we are on instagram uh find us find us find us squishystudios.com of course is, and is it voyagetrekkers.com yeah which you can find on squishy studios as well yeah find everything watch that uh nctphoenix.com for me doing improv craig where can people find you and your books and uh you know your i have a uh, patreon page cm curtis at patreon.com and also on facebook but you go by craig michael curtis i go by craig michael curtis the patreon page is cm curtis cool go there buy all the things please (laughs) um and always you guys know how podcasts work like rate review thumbs up share tell your friends celebrate i don't know do all that stuff we appreciate it uh thank you so much for listening and as always uh on a the most excellent 80s movies podcast remember to be excellent to each other and we will build this dream together stand this strong forever nothing's gonna stop us now nothing's gonna stop us that song's in the movies I was rehearsing a play.